So this morning we are going to complete, we're finishing our series, God Among Us, where do we, it's entitled, Where Do We Go From Here? And I'm going to read some verses from a version of the Bible, it's the Christian Standard Bible. Um, I actually uh, really like this version. And uh, I'm going to read some verses from Romans chapter 11 and a few verses from Romans chapter 12. So uh, the words will come up behind me on the screen. So you can follow on the screen as I read this to you. So this is what Paul says to the Roman believers. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and of the knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and untraceable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? And who has ever given to God that he should be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God... I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. Over these last weeks, we've been exploring what it means for God to be among us as we worship Him. God rescues us so that we can be part of a worshiping community. The church is a called out people. That's what the word church in uh, the Bible actually means, called out. Called out from the world that we live in. A world that's living without reference to God, the God who created it. We are to be a people established on all that Jesus has done for us on and through the cross. We are a worshipping people. From the beginning, the, the church was always intended to worship God. We've talked a lot over these last weeks about what that looks like, what that means practically for us. But it would be easy just to, over a few weeks to give some mental assent, say yes in our heads, yes I understand that, and then move on and nothing change. We mustn't miss the weight, the importance of what it means for God to be amongst his people, to be amongst us, the church. If we really understand that, if we really grasp that, it changes everything. Everything changes And as we finish this series, I want us to face up to the challenge of where do we go from here? And in order to do that, we're going to unpack a little bit of what Paul says to the church in Rome. He says this, therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your worship, true worship. Worship that affects every part of our lives, corporately as we're together, but individually when we're on our own, when we're in the workplace, when we're out in the community, when we're shopping, when we're taking the kids to school, when we're at work. We're going to look at four questions in the context of this passage, which I believe are going to inspire us to increasingly be people who are passionate about worshiping God. 
The first question I want us to unpack is this. Have we really grasped the gospel? Have we really grasped the gospel? Someone uh, not so long ago said this. They said, they said to me, they said, how did you end up with Annie? You were, you were really punching above your weight. I thought, that's a touch harsh. But it made me think, actually, I have thought a little bit about that. Actually, do you know what I thought? What I've really thought about is, do I really appreciate the gift that God has given me in Annie? Do I really appreciate it? Do I take her for granted? Do I appreciate who she is in God? Do I appreciate how uh, uh, amazing she is as a person, that she would want to spend her life with me? Do I really get it? I've thought about that a little bit. But I've also thought about it in the context of, of God. Do I realize how blessed I am by God? You see, we often think too highly of ourselves. And when we do that, it's easy to take God for granted. Paul's letter is written to help us understand and grasp the wonder of the gospel because we easily become complacent. God God wants us to know how amazing this good news is, this gospel is. Every day we need to bask in the wonder of the gospel. You see, salvation is a lifelong process. We are saved uh, from, the Bible says, from our sin, from living without reference to God, living independently of God. We are saved from it. But we are also being saved. Every day we're being saved. And one day we will finally be saved. That's what the Bible says. And so we need a living relationship with God. We need to live this gospel and know this gospel and appreciate this gospel every day. It helps us handle uh, the challenges and pressures that we face. We must, do you know what? We must never prop people up with a there, there, there. It'll be okay. We need to prop them up. We need to give them the gospel because the answer is the gospel. That's the answer. There is no other answer. It's not a pat on the shoulder. It'll be okay in the end. It might not. We give them the gospel. We give them the God who is above and beyond all. We point them to the one who can shore them up and help them and when no one else can. Debbie's word this morning about mountains and mountains ahead of us is only God that enables us to press through. Some things happen in life which are so tough. There is no answer other than God. And so we need to give people the gospel. We need to people point people to God, to who he is and the wonders. We need to point ourselves to God and orientate ourselves to who God is. We need to focus on who he is and what he means for us. I was reading this this week. This so encouraged me this week. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what, he, uh, with what you have. Keep your lives free from the love of money. Then we live in a world where money is everything. The Bible says keep yourselves free from the love of money. Be content with what you have. Well, I don't have much. Well, be content with it. And then it says this. For God has said, 
I will never leave you or forsake you. It's the gospel. It's the gospel. We need the gospel. We need to know God is with us. He never leaves us. Do we appreciate how good God is? Sometimes I think our measure of goodness is so low. Oh, I had, uh, I had a cream cake. It was really good. It's really good. We use the word so casually. Do we realize how good God is? The Bible says that he is flawless. When Jesus, someone said, uh, talked to Jesus about, uh, about being good, he said, do you know there's only, only God is good? God is our measure of goodness. Do we realize how good he is? Do we realize how bad we were? How far we were from God? How awful we were? So a few weeks ago, someone was in church who I used to play football with when I wasn't walking with God when I was in my early 20s. And they remembered me from those days. And they said, I can't believe you are leading a church. It's true. You do not realize how bad I was. I was, I was, but do you realize? I need to focus on how good he was. I was awful, but he was amazing. His grace is amazing. I am saved by the grace of God, not through anything I did. I deserve nothing. Do you realize how amazing this gospel really is? And as we answer these sorts of questions, in the light of what the Bible says, we get to understand the gospel Paul himself says, we were singing this this morning. I just thought this was amazing. For I am not ashamed of this good news, this gospel about Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes. Jew first and also the Gentile. The good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. It's not about us. It's not about how clever we are. It's not about how hard we try. It's about him. It's about the gospel. It's about the good news of what Jesus did for us on the cross. It's always about him. And Paul spends the first 11 chapters of Romans explaining the good news of God's redemptive plan. The wonders of salvation. The rottenness of our human hearts, how rotten we really were. As you read through the early chapters of Romans, you, you see how awful mankind is in living without reference to God. We read of, he talks about how right God is in judging us for the way we live without reference to him. The righteous judgment of God. He is perfect in all his ways and he's right to judge us like that. He talks about the futility of us trying to make it on our own, keep the law, try and be good enough for God. We can't do it. He talks about the hopelessness of the human condition. We have no hope. And then he talks about the amazing power of the cross, of what Christ has done, that he's made it possible for our sin to be washed away and that we can come into the presence of a holy God. He talks about right standing with God that comes by faith in Jesus Christ. 
He talks about the opportunity to live life by the Spirit of God living within us. We can't do it by ourselves, but the Spirit of God comes and dwells within us when we give our lives to Christ. And suddenly, He gives us power to live for Him, to be different people. Paul talks about life and in and by the Spirit. He gives insight. He talks about what's going to happen at the end of time. talks about how people will be saved and turn back to God. And as he does this, as he explains the gospel, as he works his way through the gospel, he reaches this moment and he, he just cannot stop but bursting out in praise. He can't stop himself. Have we really grasped the gospel? Because if we have, we'll be overwhelmed by God. Are we overwhelmed by God? Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable is judgments and untraceable is ways. Can you hear it? Paul's, oh, can you believe this, that God did this for me? Bursting out from him, he can't contain it. Are we overwhelmed by God? Sam Storms, in one of my favorite quotes, says this. I ask myself, I ask you, Where is the O in our response to God? Where is the intensity of awe and amazement that a true knowledge of the Holy One of Israel ought to evoke? Much of the church has lost the O in her relationship with and response to God. You see, Paul's doxology, his worship of God, comes out of his theology, his belief in God. And as he explores the gospel and explains the gospel, worship just cannot help but burst out. And if we are not overwhelmed with worship for God, it's because we've lost sight of the gospel. It's why we need to spend time considering who God is. You know, about 18 months ago, I had the privilege, Annie and I had the privilege of going to, uh, 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 to, to uh, Arizona. We, got, we went to see the Grand Canyon. And we got the privilege of standing on the side of the Grand Canyon. And as, he, as I just remember standing there, being staggered, amazed at this, at this, beauty, this vista. The river, you couldn't see the river. You couldn't see the bottom of the canyon. It was in places, it's over a mile deep. A mile deep. You couldn't see to the bottom. You look at it, sometimes the shadows when the the sun is just rising or going down, it's cast in shadows and much of it is in shadows. But there are moments as the sun rises, you just look at it and you are staggered by the immensity of it. Just the beauty of it. But as you look at it, as you watch it, you can't see the bottom, you can't plumb, you can't get what it's like at the bottom, but there are. You start to see there are people walking down paths down the side. They, how on earth do they walk down there? But there are paths that take you down the side. And you can go and explore the, the bottom of the Grand Canyon. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. 
The wisdom of God is, the Bible says, is a mystery long hidden. But Paul tells us it's now been revealed to us in Christ. And Paul urges the Colossian believers, he urges their hearts to be encouraged and joined together in love so that they may have all the riches of complete understanding and have the knowledge of God's mystery, Christ. In Him, in Christ, are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. You see, if you want to go down to explore the depths of the Grand Canyon, you have to walk these paths. If you want to know, if you want to grasp the depths of the riches of God's wisdom, we need to focus on Christ. We need to walk that path. The Bible says that He is the way to know God. We need to follow that path. And as we look at Him and what he did for us, and as we focus on him giving his life for us, as we focus on what he accomplished on the cross for us, as you read in the New Testament what he said, and you read about the way he did things and the way he treated people, you start to guess, grasp the depths of the knowledge and the wisdom of God. Another path is by following the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit illuminates the Word of God to reveal the good things that God has planned for us who love Him. Paul says, Eye has not seen, mind has not conceived, ear has not heard the good things that God has planned for those who love Him, but God has revealed it to us by His Spirit. The Holy Spirit reveals the depth of the knowledge of God. Paul goes on to talk uh, and remind us that God's judgments are unsearchable and His ways are untraceable. Too often we focus on the way we think God ought to do things. In our heads we have God's going to do it, He's going to do it this way. And then when it doesn't happen like that, we get thrown. We forget that His ways are untraceable. His ways are beyond us. His judgments are unsearchable. You see, trusting God when we don't know where we're going and we've never been there before is the hardest thing. When things are not going well and everything seems to be going wrong, to trust God seems counterintuitive. We're looking for something. He is solid ground in the midst of the storm. We need God's wisdom. We need to grasp the gospel. See, it's why our private devotions, our time that we spend with God is so important. It's the foundation of everything. It's why we need to be part of an active community of like-minded people who encourage us to worship God in the midst of the storm and the difficulties. That's what Debbie was saying earlier. We need to be part of a community that encourages us. Come on, it's just over the hill. He's faithful. He won't let you go. Keep pressing on. Don't give up. Numerous people here have inspired me to worship because in the worst of times they were overwhelmed by God and His love for them. For from Him and through Him and to Him are all things. To Him be the glory forever. Are you overwhelmed by God? Thirdly, are you choosing to worship God? Paul says, therefore I urge you, brothers... Paul expects us to do something. It's for all of us. It's not just an exhortation to elders or leaders, the meeting host or the worship leader. It's to all of us. Worship is costly. Jonathan talked about this last week. He gave the example of King David who would not give God worship that cost him nothing. We're not to be casual or lazy. Worshiping God together is our greatest 
privilege? Are we moved to passionate and costly worship? Like the woman with the alabaster jar of perfume Jonathan talked about. The aroma of her worship filled the whole house. Does the aroma of your worship fill the house this morning? Are we participators or are we just onlookers? You see, worship is a choice. Worship is a choice. Job is a great example in the Old Testament. The Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. We're to be worshippers in every situation, in every circumstance. We're exhorted in Habakkuk to exhort and worship God through the tough times. This is what Habakkuk says. Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no fruit on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though the flocks disappear from the pen and there are no herds in the stall, yet... I will celebrate in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. Worship is a choice. It's an act of our will, whatever the circumstances, because we are convinced nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Neither trouble, hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, or sword. It's the gospel. We choose to offer our bodies as living sacrifices. Everything we do, we do it for God. This means there are a huge variety of ways that we worship God in our singing, in our reading, in our bringing spiritual gifts, in our thanksgiving, in our attitude, a good attitude, encouraging other people, bringing stories and testimonies that we heard this morning. We can worship God on our own, We can worship God amongst our community group. We can worship God together at church. You can worship God with a few friends in the morning, colleagues at work. We are worshipers in the family, in the workplace, in and outside church meetings. We worship God when we serve. Whether you're part of the worship band, the welcome team, you're serving teas and coffee, it's part of your worship. And so you do it with him in mind and you do it to the best of your ability because you're worshipping him, you're doing it for him. We worship God in our creativity. When we corporately gather to worship, something of this, of this variety is present. We choose to worship whatever the style of music, whether it's Bethel or Hillsongs or Vineyard or New Frontiers or whether it's hymns or songs. The key isn't whether we like the style of worship, but it's whether we encounter God in the worship. Jesus himself said, where two or three are gathered together, there I'm in the midst. If God is among us, we can expect every time we gather to encounter the living God. We should come with an expectation of meeting him. Come on, we come together to meet him. It's great to be together, but we come to meet him, counter him. If the living God is among us, we should expect moments of encounter with God as we worship. It can be in the words of a song, a moment of quiet reflection, Time where we raise our voices to God, maybe. Maybe it's in listening to a contribution, a prophecy, a tongue, or an interpretation. Maybe in the preaching. 
maybe a testimony of the goodness or faithfulness of God. We choose to worship God. We choose to do it to the best of our ability, not carelessly. We come with anticipation. We come with an eye on Him. He's present. And so being here on time is it's about honoring Him. We want to honor Him. We come with hearts prepared. We come to listen, attentive to God, to respond to what He says. We're to do everything filled and led by the Spirit of God. And the evidence should be in the way that we do it, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. They should be evident in the way that we do things, in the way that we respond. You see, what each of us does affects the body, the church. We're to be an example encouraging one another to enter in and worship God with joy. Are you choosing to worship God? Sometimes it's a difficult, painful choice. Here's the last question. Will we press on for more of God? This is what Paul says. Don't be conformed to this age. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. I remember Jonathan saying to me, the, worship, the question is never, is our worship good or bad? The right question is, is there more? It's not, is the worship good or bad? It's, is there more? And the answer is always yes. And so as a church, last year we were praying into a prophetic word that we had about opening wells of worship in the church, a word that was given many years ago. It takes intentionality and effort This week I was listening to a guy who's got a significant prophetic ministry and is a guy called Julian Adams. He was here many years ago and he was prophesying fruitfulness over us several years ago. And he was saying God wanted us to be a people. This was his phrase. Lavish, a people of lavish, radical worship. God, he said, wanted to lift the lid on our worship and he would add musicians to us that would not fit the nice mold. Are we there yet? No, we're not there yet, but we're on the way, and we're gonna, if we're going to press into God, then there's a few things that we need to put into practice. If we're going to press on for more of God, the first thing is we need to be open to God. Paul says, don't be, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world. Don't be conformed to the way this world thinks, but be transformed in the renewing of your mind. We're to be people who think differently. We don't think as the world thinks. We think differently. We think in line with how God thinks. We're a people committed to seeing the gifts of the Holy Spirit here operating on a Sunday. We're looking for more people to share, not less. Now, that doesn't mean that everybody's going to get an opportunity to do it on a Sunday. But we're to be ready and we're be to come prepared and with digging into God. God, what have you got for me today? Is there something you want me to share We're to be open to God. If God speaks to us, we say, yes, yes, God. And individually, that means, it may mean coming to share something on the front, but it may be something for someone else who's here this morning. God, who do you want me to pray for this morning? Who do you want me to encourage? Who do you want me to build up this morning? Who is it that I can spur on to love Jesus more? 
Every Sunday we should gather together with those sorts of things in mind. And if God corporately speaks, we respond. We look for prayer. Some years ago there was talk of coming to the front was the walk of shame. God help us. We need God's help. We need to pray for one another. We're to be unashamed about this gospel. God answers prayer. We respond to him. We're open to God. Next week is the start of a whole new adventure. Hope Church is going multi-site. We're going to meet at Hope Central here at the Middlebrook Centre and Hope North in Kingsworthy Primary School. We are deliberately obeying what God has said. And we're looking for the Holy Spirit to break out amongst us, to reach more people with the good news about Jesus. This glorious, wonderful, life-changing gospel. And if we're passionate about what God has done in us, if we really get the gospel and we're overwhelmed with worship, we will be so excited about this moment. We're open to God. We need to be engaged with what God is asking us to do. Paul says we discern God's will and do what he says. We're to be people who are all in with with God. Don't settle. Don't be grumpy. Be generous. I loved Rob's exhortation to us to give this morning. We give generously. We give. There's a story in, in the Uh, In the New Testament of Jesus, he's in the temple and this widow comes. Loads of people are giving. Jesus is watching what people are putting into the offering bowls in the temple. And this older woman, this widow comes and she puts two mites. Hardly anything she puts in. And Jesus says, did you see that? Something happened in that moment. Her worship filled, the aroma of her worship filled the place. And Jesus said, did you see that? She gave out of her little It's not how much she gave, it was the fact that she gave and she was trusting God to meet her needs. That's what Rob exhorted us to do. We are those who engage with God. We do it with our time. I want to ask some of you to consider, come and join us at Hope North next week. We meet for tea and coffee at 10.45, 11.15 start. It's all about reaching new people with this amazing, amazing gospel, both here in the city and at the north of the city in Kingsworthy. We engage with God, what God has asked us to do. But we also expect and embrace change. You see, God is always doing new things. His kingdom is ever expanding. Prepare your hearts. Things are going to be different. We've been talking about younger leaders coming through. Be ready. You know, the enemy, I tell you, I have noticed the intensity of spiritual battle over us as a church in these last weeks. The enemy is looking to take people out and resist what God is doing amongst us. We are in a battle, but what we don't do is we don't circle the wagons. We take our place on the front line. We don't circle the wagons and become inward looking and panic. We take our place on the front line knowing that God will look after us and will look after those who are in difficulties. Let's make sure we have a good attitude. We're not those who settle. We don't hanker for the good old days good old days. I want to tell you, they weren't that good. They really weren't. 
We, we look through things with rose-tinted spectacles. They weren't that good. The good days are now where God is with us. We don't look backwards. We look forwards to what he is going to do. We don't rubbish the past. We're grateful for what God did in the past, but we look to the future. What is God going to do amongst us? What could he do? Guy prophesied over us as a church, and I'm going to finish with this. Maybe the band could come out. He prophesied and said that there were churches in commission. Commission is the family of churches that we belong to. And he prophesied that there were churches that were situated on fault lines, places of volcanic activity. And he said that there was going to be an outpouring of God's glory in the days ahead. He specifically referred to us in Winchester being on such a fault line. And he said to us that we have become complacent, thinking nothing is going to change. That we've forgotten the awesome power of God, who God is. And it may seem that God is not doing much in our day, but there's a moment coming where he's going to pour out his glory in a demonstration of who he is, that he is amongst us. And later he prophesied over us as a church. He said that Winchester and Kingsworthy were on a fault line and God's glory was going to burst out. And he said to me, go back and tell your people in Winchester, tell them to move down this volcano because it's going to blow. People have thought that things are always going to stay the way they are, presuming nothing will change. He said, you will see an outpouring of God's glory. There will be healings like you've never seen before. Do we need healings? Do we need healings? Do we need to see God break through in healings? Think of Chain Gagel. She needs a breakthrough in healing. We're looking to God. We're crying out to God for her, for a breakthrough for her. There will be leadership development and release unlike anything that has happened previously. The eruption of God's glory will impact Kingsworthy and beyond. And he said this, the wave that is coming will change the landscape of Winchester. Are you ready? Are you ready for what God's going to do?